Ephesians chapter 5, last week I, I preached part one of how to live out the gospel in your marriage. I preached to the husbands uh, quite passionately. Um, surprised some of them came back, in fact. Um, I preached to all of us husbands on our role, and here it is in a sentence. The husband submits to his wife by leading her like Christ leads the church. The idea of a submissive husband is somewhat foreign in the Christian world because submission has usually been referred to as the, the woman's role within the marriage. But Paul made it clear in verse 21 of, of chapter 5 that both the husband and the wife are to practice submission to each other. The idea is mutual submission. If you have your Bible open, look at verse 21 of chapter 5 of Ephesians. He said, submitting yourselves one to Another in the fear of God. So before he gets to verse 22 where he says, wives submit yourself, he talks to both the husband and the wife. And he says, submit yourselves one to another. Listen, men, I'm going to find some ways to preach to the men again this week. So, so just, just listen up. But husbands, submission starts with us, not our wives. It starts by us submitting to be servant leaders in our homes and in our marriage. What does that look like? It's, it's a man, a husband that, that leads in the home in love, in sacrifice, in spiritual matters, and in provision. Uh, husbands, if you didn't listen to that message last week, I encourage you to go on our podcast, on our website, listen to that, catch up on that. But the passage of scriptures I told you last week, Ephesians chapter 5, 21 through 33, it speaks three times more to the husband than it does the wife. Nine verses to the husband, three verses to the wife. That means I need to spend nine times as much time preaching to the husband as I do the wife. It starts with the husband. Guys, marriage, marriage, marriage starts with the husband. If we will step up and fulfill our role of submission through servant leadership to our wife, we'll make it a lot easier for her to come alongside of us and fulfill her role of submission. But with that being said, the Bible is clear about the role of submission that a wife is to play in marriage. And I must admit right up front, I'm not as comfortable preaching today as I was last week. I'm not scared of women. I'm just not a woman. And so I'm a lot more comfortable relating to men in their role. On top of that, here's what I know about our culture. Our culture seems to disrespect and objectify women all the time. I don't want to add to that. In no way do I want to come across with a tone that, that would be disrespectful or, or, or chauvinistic or harsh. And so honestly, I stand here in fear today. Not that you're going to dislike what the Word of God says, but that I might come across in a way that contributes to the culture's narrative that women are just objects. You're not. If you're a lady, God loves you. You're valuable to God. You're valuable to our church. You're valuable to your home. You're valuable to our society. And I want you to know that up front. But while I'm attempting to be respectful and, and have that in my mind throughout the duration of the sermon, I also am a, a commanded by God to preach the Bible as it is. And as the Bible speaks to the husband's role with much authority, listen, ladies, it speaks to your role with much authority. Authority, not meanness, not harshness, but clarity. And, and as much as, as the husband's role is in the Word of God and is to be preached so, such is the wife's role. It is as much inspired as the husband's role in the Word of God. And let me say this to the women in here. If there is anywhere you need to take your cues for how to be a wife, how to be a woman of God in your marriage, it's the Bible. Don't go to the culture. 
Don't go to a reality TV show. Don't go to your girlfriends at work or other family members to learn how to be a wife. Go to the Bible first. It is the authority on how you should live out the gospel towards your husbands. And if you're a young lady, and our youth group is full of them because we have about four girls to every one boy in our youth group right now. If you're a young lady, you listen close to this message. Very close. Two reasons. Number one, because the kind of wife that Paul puts forth here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is the kind of wife you need to strive to be. And, and being a submissive wife that follows your husband's leadership doesn't start once you get married. That spirit in you begins right now. How do you treat your dad? And how do you treat your mother? You are practicing submission to your future husband by, by how you submit to your, your authorities right now. Your parents, your teachers, your coaches, young ladies, the Bible does speak of the fact that you ought to have a meek spirit. And you ought to give most attention to the inward part of you, not just the outward part of you. What you're doing right now, young ladies, listen to me, is you're preparing to be a godly wife right now. So listen closely to this message. The second reason is, is because as you're trying to pick a godly husband, you need to, you need to ask yourself this in the long term. Don't think short term. In the long term, you need to ask yourself this. Can I submit to this man's leadership the rest of my life? Don't make it hard on yourself by picking the wrong guy. Because the p- picking the wrong guy doesn't relinquish you from your role as a wife. And so a lot of older ladies in here would tell you, you better pick right. Or submission's going to be real hard. Are you hearing me? Say amen, girls. Ah, oh, it's good. I'm taking faith that you said something. Your mouth moved. <laughs> Let's read our text and dive in. Ephesians chapter 5. All it is is is, is three verses today. Verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let their wives be to their own husbands in everything. I'll start the way with the wives the way that I did with the husbands last week with this statement. The truest measure of your spirituality is how you are at home. Okay, if you want to measure your spiritual condition, ladies, ask yourself, not how do you live at church, not how do you live when, when you're with your friends or when you're at work towards your boss. Ask yourself, how are you at home as a wife? How's your attitude, ladies, towards your husband? How is your spirit towards him? Is it, is it humble or prideful? Short-tempered or patient? Manipulative or submissive? Respectful or selfish? Listen, ladies, as you, how you are as a wife might just be the truest measure for how you are as a Christian. And if you aren't what you need to be and you know that, there's good news. You can go to work on that today. Listen, with God's help, it's never too late to start doing the right thing. Hey, even if being a godly and submissive wife was never modeled for you growing up, you can be that still. Even if your husband is not a servant leader towards you, you can still be a submissive wife towards him. Even if you've already developed a lot of bad behavioral habits in your marriage, you can reverse that with God's help and be what God wants you to be in the marriage and what your husband needs for you to be. Don't lose hope. You can be the kind of wife God wants you to be, even if you haven't been up to this point. I'm going to give you your role in a sentence, then we'll go to work on it. Here it is. The wife submits to her husband by following his leadership. The husband's role is he submits to his wife by leading her like Christ leads the church. Ladies, your role is that you submit to your husband by following that 
leadership. Now that sounds simple on paper, but it's a bit more challenging in real life. There's a bit more to it than you might think according to our text. And so I want to answer two major questions when it comes to your role of submission and following your husband's leadership. I, I want to answer this question, why should you follow his leadership? But I want to answer this question, how should you follow your husband's leadership? The text answers both questions thoroughly. Here's the first question, why? Why should you submit to your husband's leadership? And here's the answer. Because God has ordained your husband as the head of the home. Now look at verse 23. Don't take my word for it. Look at verse 23. This is God's word. For the husband is the head of the wife. Now, let's talk about that. God, listen, God has ordained authority in the home. God has, not man. God has done this. You know why? He's all about order. He's all about authority structure being set up because that's how it operates most effectively. Now, listen, ladies, the idea of ordained authority is not just something for the wife to adhere to. It's not just something for ladies. No, if you want to go back to ordained authority, you got to go all the way back to the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three are equally God. We believe that. All three are equally God. Equally as eternal and powerful and holy and just and perfect. However, if you watch Jesus, when he came down and performed his earthly ministry, he submitted to God the Father. All through his ministry, he said things like this. I'm here to do my Father's will. I'm here to glorify my Father, which is in heaven. Hallowed be my Father's name. He, Jesus, if you want to talk about submission, it started with the Son of God. But our text tells us that Christ is the ordained authority for the church. Not the pastor, by the way. Christ is the head of this church. Then it says government is God's ordained authority for citizens within a nation. Romans 13. Uh, Ephesians 6 is going to teach us that parents are God's ordained authority for children within the home. Uh, Ephesians 6 is also going to teach us that employers are God's ordained authority for employees within the workplace. We'll study that in two weeks. Husbands, our text says, are God's ordained authority, just like government, just like Christ for the church, parents for children, employees for employees. Husbands are God's ordained authority for the wives. I say that, ladies, to get you to understand. God doesn't just single you out as the sole individuals in all of this world that are submit to authority because you're a lady. It's part of all aspects of society. But society, sadly, ha ha has either abused authority or ignored authority. No, 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 think about this. Authority has been abused in our society because husbands have abused their leadership role by being bullies to their wives. Government has overstepped their boundaries at times. Parents aren't always the perfect authorities. Employers sometimes wield their power and position irresponsibly. But it's also been ignored, authority has. Because sometimes wives submit, refuse to submit to their husband's leadership. They ignore it. Citif citizens rebel unlawfully against the police. Children crave independence so they buck their parents' authority. Employees just don't like to be told what to do sometimes so they don't do what their boss tells them to do. But, but here's the thing. Whether authority has been abused or ignored doesn't change the fact that authority is God's idea for order. 
Order in a society, order in a church, order in a home. We shouldn't abuse it and we shouldn't ignore it. We should submit to it. And let me say this, that when it comes to the husband being the head of the home, don't miss this. Just because the husband is the head of the home doesn't mean the wife is inferior to the husband. Oh, you need to hear that. When you study Genesis 2, where the woman was created, you know what, what Genesis 2 screams? Equality, not inferiority. When I say equality, I'm referring to her value to God and her value as a human being. Men and women are equally created in God's image. Where they're different is the role they play. But the role doesn't make them inferior. Listen, when God created Eve, follow this, he called her Adam's helpmeet or helper. The Hebrew word there for helper implies something entirely different than what we may think of as a helper today. Because when we think of somebody being a helper, we think of somebody who is inferior that has to help somebody superior. So, so go get me my screwdriver, the boss yells to his helper. Give me a drink of water. Clean up my mess. So when we say helper today, it's like a derogatory term almost. But when God called Eve a helper, he used the Hebrew word ezer. E-Z-E-R. Here's the significance and value of that name, Ezer. It's the name most commonly used to describe God. God is our Ezer, our helper, our strength, our deliverer. Now, nobody would say that God is our gopher boy who hands us water whenever we need it. Saying that God is our helper is saying that he has what we lack. Where we're insufficient, he makes up the gap. So for God to call the woman Ezer implied equality because it means that the man is incomplete and insufficient without her. Not to mention, do you know how God performed the first surgery? He didn't take an ankle out of Adam to, to create Eve. That would have been too low. It would have been inferior. He created a rib, take, took a rib out of his side. To create. You know why? Because he wanted Eve to be side by side with Adam. Not inferior, equal to. Adam could not be what he needed to be without his Eve. Yeah. So wives understand today that, that even though your role in the home is not the head, your role in the home is equally as valuable. And for you to be treated anything less than that is unbiblical. But at the end of the day, ladies, your husband is the head. I, I didn't write it. God structured it that way and he did it because he desires order. And this is precisely, I could end the message right now. This is precisely why you submit to your husband's leadership because it's God's will. It's how God has set up the home to run most effectively. And when you usurp that, listen ladies, when you usurp that authority, you are stepping outside of your God-given role and God's will for your life in the home. That's the first step to being the wife God wants you to be. Know why? Accept the husband's headship in the home. But how does that happen? If you got it right, ladies, tomorrow, next week, what would it look like for you to get it right? A couple things. This, this answers the question, how should you submit? Number one, submit voluntarily. Submit voluntarily. Look at verse number 22. Wives, submit yourselves under your own husband's. The idea 
of wives submitting to their husbands is not talking about something akin to slavery or, or subservience or some rigid top-down command where you're expected to submit without question. All right, your, your, your husband is not a tyrant. That's not how God created him, what he created him to be. Husbands, listen, we're not to demand submission from our wives. Wives are to volunteer their submission to our leadership. I, I think this speaks mainly to the spirit of submission. Listen to me, ladies. I want to I speak to you for a moment. Your husband shouldn't have to walk on eggshells around you as he's trying to lead your family. He shouldn't have to twist your arm or say everything in the right way at just the right time for you to willingly follow his leadership. He's not going to get it right every time. And your submission to his leadership shouldn't constantly be accompanied by an exasperated spirit or an argumentative attitude or body language that looks put out all the time or manipulative tactics such as silent treatment to get him to change his mind. Now that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have an opinion. Submission to your husband's leadership doesn't mean you shouldn't be a huge part of the decision-making process. Listen, for a husband to make a decision apart from his wife's counsel is absolutely absurd. It's foolish. Remember, guys, God gave her to be uh, our help. She has things that we don't have that can help us make better decisions. What is that? She has a level of emotion. We don't have a level of empathy. We don't have considerations and perspectives and insight. They can help us in our decision making. Here's how I look at it. When it comes down to spiritual decisions, major and consequential decisions in the home, watch here. The husband has a vote. The wife has a vote. But God has left it up to the husband to break the tie in a split decision. And ladies, you should voluntarily voluntarily yield to that. Unless you think that's a bad thing, it's really not because you don't have to bear the responsibility of a bad decision. God's put that burden on your husband. He bears the weight of the deciding vote. You know, before I was pastor, pastor was a good enough leader to give the staff a vote. And then he had a vote. But then he had to break the tie. I didn't lose any sleep over it. Now I lose sleep over it. Now I realize there's a burden to, to, to break in the tie. That responsibility is heavy. And if I could give that to my wife uh, without feeling bad about it, without violating God's command, I would. But here's the thing, men, she's not made to carry that burden. So we shouldn't put her in that situation. C.S. Lewis said this, voluntarily submitting to your husband's leadership is like a slow dance. One person leads and one follows. One initiates and the other responds. Both are necessary for the dance to happen. And when both fulfill their roles well, it is a beautiful thing to behold. The lead role in the dance of marriage God gave to the husband. Ladies, you're a big part of the dance. Without, without you, there's no dance. But if you want your marriage to thrive, you've got to let your husband lead it. Yeah. So that's the first way to submit, voluntarily. Here's the second, exclusively. Look at verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own Husbands. Did you see that? Don't miss these details in Scripture. Notice Paul didn't tell the wife to submit to every man. He told her to submit to her own husband. There are only two places in Scripture, if you're an honest student of God's Word, where women are to submit to the leadership of the man. That's the home and the church. Wives, when it comes to submission, you are not being asked to submit to all men everywhere like we live in the Middle East. That is a flawed system. 
That is not biblical. Just because a man is a man doesn't mean that you submit to him because he's a man. I believe that this means it's okay for women to lead in the workplace and to own businesses and in other segments of society, including government. I believe women can be God's ordained leaders over men and do so effectively in areas outside of the home and the church. But ladies, understand this. The person you submit to and whose leadership you should follow most loyalty outside of Christ is your husband. No other man should have more of your respect, more of your attention, more of your energy, more of your compliments, and more of your love than your own husband. You shouldn't respect your pastor more than you show respect to your husband. Well, you're a better guy. I, I believe that's probably true. If you lived with me, you'd quickly find out I'm not as good as I look. You don't compliment me more than you compliment your husband. You, you're not kinder to me than you are your husband. You go to work and, and submit loyally, more loyally to, to, to your boss than you do your husband. No other man should have more of your respect than him. Listen, God has given you wives if you're married. God has given you a man to get behind. A man to follow, a man to support, a man to cheer on, a man to be loyal to, a man to pray for, a man to lift up. And that man is your own husband. Your greatest energy, ladies, your greatest energy, positive energy, by the way, your greatest positive energy ought to be expended upon your husband exclusively. He ought to get the best of you, the best of your spirit, the best of your submissiveness. The best of your respect. Yeah, the best of your time. The best of your compliments. That's your husband. Notice thirdly, you should submit spiritually. Look, look at the end of verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now what does that mean? Here's what it means. You are to see your submission to your husband and the following of his leadership as something spiritual. It's not society's idea. It's God's idea. You are to see your part in submission as actually serving the Lord. It's part of your discipleship to Christ. The clear implication, ladies, is that when you fail to submit to your husband's leadership, you're actually failing to submit to the Lord's leadership. Hear me, please. You shouldn't compartmentalize your relationship to God and your relationship to your husband. They go together. It's not okay to live out the gospel at church, live out the gospel at work, live out the gospel in the community, but then go home and choose not to. Learn to view your submissive, submissive spirit to your husband as an avenue through which you serve God. Just like when you come to, come to serve him in the ministry here through, through nursery or, or conducting a children's choir or singing in the choir or being a greeter or, or working in children's church and, and you serve submissively uh, to the direction of the church in those ministries, you're serving the Lord. You're not just serving the church, you're serving the Lord. In the same way when you go home and you submit to the leadership of your husband, you're not serving him, you're serving God. This is an offering of yourself to the Lord through your husband. Here's, here's the final way you can submit. I'm going to spend a little more time on this one. You should submit entirely. Now, now I want you to get to verse 24. And then, and then before you make up your mind, you've got to listen to my sermon. Okay? Verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, 
so let the wives be to their own husbands. Look at this last phrase. In everything. Woo. In everything. I'm not, even, I'm not even a wife and I got red flags going up right now. My question is probably the question you're asking. Are there any exceptions? What if my husband isn't even saved? Doesn't love God. What if my husband is asking me to do something that God clearly forbids? Pastor, what if, what if my husband's just a lousy leader? He's a jerk. He makes stupid decisions. He doesn't love me very well. Those are all fair questions. Let, let's, let's address those. Here's what you can't miss in the text. Watch here. The command to submit to your husband in everything is flavored by the example of Christ in the church. Okay, look at verse 24 again. Therefore, as the church, or just like the church, is subject or submissive unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands. All right, now watch this. You got to get this. Ladies and men, you got to get this. In the example Paul gives, the church represents the wives. Christ represents the husbands. And here's what he means. Watch. Wives, like the church, are to submit to your husbands in everything that is consistent with Christ's character. Jesus Christ is the woman's first and foremost authority. Which means the wife should never follow her husband into sin. Ever. The same is true with a citizen following the government. They ask us to do something that is clearly forbidden in Scripture, or they ask us to stop doing something that the Scripture commands. Our first loyalty is to Christ. There's also an exception in this regard. Ladies, you do not have to stay in a situation where you or your children are being put in harm's way. I appreciate a few amens there. I think we ought to have more. If you're facing verbal, emotional, or physical abuse within your marriage, you need to find help. You need to find safety. You need to get out of that situation. Amen? And, and I believe the church ought to be an avenue through which you can run in those situations. You can call me at any time, ladies. I mean that with all my heart. I'm not going to take for granted that there's not abuse represented in this own auditorium right here. Because there's a lot of men that can put on a Sunday face, but they're jerks at home. And, and if there's that at the home. If there's abuse at home, I, I want you to know in the appropriate way, I'm here for you. The church is here for you. We want to help you through that. But you'll notice an exception outside of those two that I didn't give because it's not an exception. And that's a lousy husband. So you might be married right now to a man that doesn't lead you like Christ. He doesn't make you feel loved. He doesn't sacrifice for you. He doesn't lead you spiritually. He's irresponsible, struggles to provide. I want you to know, my, my, my heart as a pastor goes out to you. I've sat in many, 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 many marriage counseling sessions where the wife is absolutely broken because of the behavior of her husband and she feels hopeless and helpless to change it. I, I know from experience, ladies, that you are filled with sadness, disappointment, some days frustration, anger, and stress because the person in your life that is supposed to love you the most loves you the least. I get it. But ladies, according to Scripture, that is no excuse to willfully rebel against or disrespect His leadership in your home. It isn't. God didn't say submit unless your husband's a jerk. 
He didn't say submit so long as you feel loved. Here's the command. Listen closely. So long as your husband isn't leading you into sin or abusing you, you should follow his leadership. Well, pastor, what am I supposed to do if I'm in that situation? It's frustrating. He obviously isn't listening to the Lord, but at the same time, he's not leading me into sin. He's not abusing me or my children. How in the world do I follow his leadership when his leadership is lousy? And will it ever do any good? Well, the Bible speaks to that, ladies. Very practically. Let me show you 1 Peter chapter 3. Look at the screen. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. That, because if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Let me teach you. If your husband isn't obeying the word of God, if he's not lovingly leading you like he should right now, don't lose hope. Because there's actually something other than the word of God that can change his heart. Peter calls it that. Chaste conversation coupled with fear. Now what does that mean? The word chaste means pure. It means upright. The word conversation doesn't mean what you think it means. It doesn't mean a conversation via speech. If you look it up in the Greek, it means your lifestyle. It means your conduct. Then Peter tacks on the phrase coupled with fear, which means do all of it with respect. So put all that together. Here's what you have. A pure life and a respectful attitude can influence your husband even when the word of God cannot. That means you don't have to lose hope. I know you're frustrated. I know you're disappointed. I know in some ways your pillow is the only one that gets your tears. But you just focus on your walk with God. You keep it pure. You keep it holy. Don't stop reading your Bible. Don't stop praying. Don't stop coming to church. Ladies, don't resort to some sinful coping mechanism because you're not getting what you want at home. You stay close to God, the one that will never leave you nor forsake you, the one whose love is unfailing, the one who's the same yesterday, today, and forever and has no mood swings. You stay close to God and God's people, and then you keep your own attitude towards your husband in check. Even though you're frustrated with him, you keep a respectful attitude towards him. Now, I know that's asking a lot. I understand that that to respect a man that that doesn't love you very well might be one of the most difficult things to do in your life. So let me give you some practical ways you can do it when he doesn't deserve it. You can respect him with how you build him up. Please listen closely, ladies. Your husband is becoming what you see in him. Therefore, don't just tell him what he's not. Tell him what you see him becoming. Did you hear me? Don't just tell him what he's not. Tell him what you see him becoming. Praise him more than you nag him. Write him a text message or a handwritten note once a day next week with a genuine compliment or a word of affirmation. And you might say, but he doesn't deserve it. I know. But his lack of love doesn't make it okay for you to lack in respect. His lack of leadership doesn't nullify God's command for you to submit to that leadership. It's frustrating. You're in a difficult spot. But if you yield to the leadership of the Lord in your life, you can find a way to build him up through it. Here's another way. You can respect him by letting him know that you believe in him. See, the difference between a woman and a man is that a woman wants to know, do you love me? 
A man wants to know, do you believe in me? If all he ever hears is your doubt and your skepticism and your criticism, he doesn't think you believe in him and he equates that with disrespect. Here's another way, never disrespect or confront him, correct him publicly. Hey, including in front of the kids or in front of your parents or his. He may be wrong and he may be in need of correction, but there's nothing more humiliating to a man than for his wife to tear him down in front of other people or two other people. That doesn't mean that they're not a right time to bring somebody in for counsel and let them know clearly what's going on in your marriage. But that shouldn't be the norm. Build him up to others and in front of others as much as you possibly can, ladies. I get it. It's hard to find something positive whenever he never makes you feel positive. I get that. You are put in an unfair position in that point. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But I'm just trying to be real with you. There's not an exception clause here. You have no idea how powerful these things can be. Do this too. Respect him by giving him space to lead. Sometimes wives complain about their husbands not leading the home, but the truth is they never let him. They never defer to his leadership. Wives, try putting the ball in his court and letting him dribble it. Don't, don't, don't referee your husband like Potsy referees little kids playing basketball. He lets, it's crazy. He just micromanages them all the way down. It's okay. Just keep on dribbling. I'm going to let you dribble, but I'm not going to let you dribble. Just keep on. He's so loving and compassionate and caring. He's a micromanager on a basketball court. That's why people love him. But wives, give your husband the ball. Let him dribble. And when they lose the ball, don't tell him I told you so. Go pick up the ball and put it back in their hands. And love him. And encourage them and support them and pray for them. You are married to a sinner, ma'am, a big one, if they're like me. You're married to a man that just won't get it right all the time. You're married to a man that can't hardly dribble and chew gum at the same time. We're clumsy in our decision making sometimes. We're, 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 we're uncoordinated and impulsive in what we purchase and, and, and in how we talk sometimes. But the best thing you can do is just give some space for him to lead. If he makes a mistake, do not rub his face in it. You don't do that with your kids. Why do that with your husband? And and here's here's the great assurance. When you'll live that way towards him, the Holy Spirit will use that to convict him and challenge him and hopefully change him. But I, I need to touch on something here, ladies. Don't miss one key phrase in verse one. Show that up there again, Kristen that they may also without the word be won by the conversation of the lifestyle of the wives. I'm just telling you, ladies, listen, there might come a time and it might be right now in your marriage when you will be able to accomplish more through your spirit towards your husband than you do with your words to your husband. In fact, I've, I've crafted this statement to help you to remember it. Sometimes the best sermon you can preach to your husband is a sermon without words. And for ladies that talk and, and, and it's just your personality and you're persuasive. Um, and if you're not persuasive, they still say ladies use twice as many words as men. You just, that's how God made you. For you to live that statement is going to be incredibly difficult. Here's what it's going to take. A complete faith in God to do what he said he would do in his word.
And that is to preach a sermon through your respectful attitude and your godly lifestyle. When you refuse to do that, what you see, when you refuse to do that, you are refusing to trust in God's way to change your husband. Now, hear me closely. This right here, the wordless sermon is the last resort, ladies. Here's what I mean by that. You don't resort to no words unless he has stopped listening to your words. Okay, 1 Peter 3 is written to the lady who's like at her last, at her wit's end. Ladies, your submission doesn't mean you have to sit in mute silence. Okay, silence only comes when the word of God through you and through the preacher won't affect his attitude, his spirit, or his behavior. That means this, listen closely, you should be speaking into your husband on a regular basis. Are you listening to me? Ladies, this doesn't mean that the very first thing you do is just not say anything. No, no. If you say it at the right time with the right spirit in the right way, you should. If you, if you see an error in his behavior or in his attitude or impulsive purchase or something dumb, you don't have to sit there in mute silence because 1 Peter chapter 3 says you've got to preach a wordless sermon. You have a vote. You have a voice. I'm going to get on the husbands in a second, so don't get all comfortable, guys. You should be speaking to your husbands. But here's the reason why ladies don't. Because husbands are prideful. And husbands are stubborn. And husbands are blind. And husbands are jerks. We just are sometimes. We have egos. And so guys, if your wife is never speaking into your life, that's not a compliment. That's an indictment on you. You have made her preach a wordless sermon her entire marriage. Why are you doing that? Why are you pushing her into a corner where whatever she says is dumb? Where you roll your eyes and you treat whatever she says as nagging. Why do you do that? I'll tell you why. You're prideful. You're stubborn. That's the God honest truth. Somebody say amen. It's because we are putting our egos ahead of the needs of our wife and we are failing to lead her in a servant-like way. And so you ought to invite your wife's feedback into your life on a regular basis. Would you try one time this week, guys, shooting your wife a text, giving her time to think about it. Don't put her on the spot. Shoot her a text. Give her time to think about it and say, in what one way can I be a better husband this week? Invite that feedback in. You know when it's your idea, you're less defensive. A lot easier to receive feedback whenever you ask for it. So I would encourage you to make that a regular part of your marriage. Man, I've got so much I want to say. Let, let, me, let me just, let me say this. Guys, if you would love your wife like you're supposed to, it'd be a lot easier for her to respect you. Be the kind of man that is a joy to submit to. If you want respect, be respectable. Men, find out how your wife defines respect. What is it that you need to be that is respect worthy? And then do it. Be it. We shouldn't do anything or, or say anything that makes submitting 
them submitting to us more difficult than our wives than it already is. Do you think it's natural for them to submit to us? Yeah, it's natural. I don't care if they have a laid back personality. It's still not natural. So why are we making it harder on them? At the same time, guys, I'm going to show a little grace here because I acknowledge that the possibility exists in this room that there's a God-fearing husband that, that is loving his wife like Christ loved the church in a servant-like way, but his wife still isn't following. It might be because how she was raised is what she saw growing up. Mama ruled the roost. She's trying to overcome that. She's not great at it. It might be because for years you, you didn't treat her well and she doesn't trust you. It might be just because she's developed some really bad habits. I don't know. But what do you do in that situation? Can I tell you what not to do? Don't throw these verses in her face. Do you hear me? Why? Because you have enough of your verses to live. You have three times more verses than she does. So you need to live in your verse, not live in hers. What I'm trying to say is these verses are hers to obey, not yours to demand. All right, so when you go home, don't whip out the Bible before you eat lunch and say, let's, let's go over that. If she's not living it, all you can do is play your role. You can love her and lead her, then trust God with her role. Because submission from the wife is not demanded. It's volunteered. And here's the, here's the key, men. Learn to love her in the way that she volunteers. And if she's not volunteering, look in the mirror. Don't look to her mom. Well, that's how she's always going to be. No, look in the mirror and say, what am I doing that makes it really, really hard on her? Quit asking her to be more respectful when you aren't living in a way that's real respectable. See, we can help our wives fulfill their role when we fulfill ours. Ladies, ladies, listen, I'm done. We need you. Desperately. Our marriages, our churches, our society, our government, our workplaces. We need women because they have so many things that men don't have. We need you. As husbands, listen wives, as husbands, we don't need you to love us. We need you to respect us. I wish Hallmark would figure that out when they made cards. They always have these romantic cards like, I love you, baby bear, or whatever. <laughs> you, you never find a Hallmark card that says, I respect you. Because the culture doesn't see it that way. The Bible does, though. God knew how he made us men. He made us to be built up and believed in and prayed for and supported That's how he made us. That's why he said, guys, here's what it boils down to in the very last verse of chapter five. Men, love your wives. That's what they need. Ladies, reverence your husband. He didn't say men love your wives and wives love your men or your husbands. Exclusively. (laughs) Good gracious. Some of you are trying to find a loophole right now. I know it. (laughs) You were sick of him a decade ago, but too bad. You're locked in. It says you reverence him. I'm telling you, ladies, that's what, that's what your husband needs. He doesn't need you to be romantic. He needs you to build him up and believe in him, even at times when he doesn't deserve it. Why? Because God will use that to change his heart a lot more than God will use a sermon from you. 
And I hope you'll submit to that today. So what I do in the invitation, I want to invite the wives to come pray. I want to invite the husbands, though, if, if you have a wife here, I want to invite you to come pray with her. Okay, even if you're not a member of the church, it's fine. And maybe you're not comfortable. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. But husbands, soon to be husbands, whatever, grab your wife's hand and let her know you're, you're going you're gonna to partner together in this marriage. You're going to walk through this together. Husbands, I, I want to challenge you to lead your wife to the altar today and, and, and to just pray over her. I, I don't want you in your heart thinking, man, I hope she gets to the altar today. I want you to lead your wife by loving her and grabbing her hand and saying, hey, let's go pray. Well, I don't know how to pray that well. Then let your wife pray. She does. <laughs> and I'm serious. Let your wife pray. Or, or just you two, just kneel together in an altar and pray in your heart quietly. And when one's done, the other's done. You get up and go back to your seat. I just, just want, you don't have to be a perfect Christian to come down here. Let's just humble ourselves together as married couples and say, God, take our marriage. Help us each to play our roles as hard as they are sometimes. Help us to do it right. And when we don't, help us to humbly admit it and get back on the right track. This church is only as strong as its marriages are strong. This community is only as strong as the church is strong. This nation is only as strong as its communities are strong. So we've got to start with our marriages. Would you stand to your feet, every head bowed and every eye closed?